Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. I am a rural doctor in a city on the Catalan coast called San Carlos de la Rapita. I work as a family doctor, and on a personal level, I have been dealing with arrhythmias for some time. These arrhythmias have occasionally caused me discomfort and even moments of fear as I am aware of the potential seriousness of the condition. The events that I am about to describe happened in the beginning of the year 2022. I woke up from a nap during the twilight hours. As I sat up, a wave of dizziness hit me, prompting me to lean against a piece of furniture, and I don't remember anything else. The next thing I recall is an out-of-body experience, where I seemed to be observing myself from above. I saw myself standing up in a darkened room, my perception surprisingly clear as though the window had been opened, revealing my own body wedged between a piece of furniture and the closet. I watched it in astonishment, noticing that it wasn't breathing. As someone who's grown accustomed to witnessing this scenario more than four times, each time a shard of glass caught my attention, I would exclaim, Mother of mine! However, this time, it was me who wasn't breathing. I felt inert, trapped in a moment of perplexity. Suddenly, I was engulfed by an emerald green whirlpool, my surroundings swallowing me whole. The next thing etched into my memory is finding myself within an immersed space, an undefined dark expanse where I could still perceive my own presence amidst the obscurity. But there was no limit, no wall, no hole. The only thing present was at the top, at the zenith, a light, a sort of illuminated hole. I've attempted to describe it as resembling the sight of the moon on a dark night when it's full, offering the only source of light around me. And I realized that I was heading that way. I was heading in that direction. I had no, absolutely no special feeling. I had nothing. Nothing that would make me feel good or bad. I was simply heading towards it. When I reached that light, I found myself as though I were on top of a mountain, facing a beautiful landscape. It was an alpine landscape, a mountainous terrain reminiscent of... Just as when you behold a valley, a broad, expansive valley, a verdant, radiant valley encompassing both. These two varieties of valleys, which I have observed in Switzerland and encountered in certain parts of the Pyrenees, reminded me of the beauty that made me feel incredibly at ease. It was a sense of profound comfort and happiness that I experienced while I was there. I neither felt hot nor cold. No, there were no disagreeable physical sensations. Nothing caused me discomfort. Quite the opposite, I experienced a profound state of well-being. As for that view, 
That particular vision soothed my initial mood of confusion and bewilderment. After a short while, let's say a few minutes, that picturesque green landscape with its vibrant hues started to shift. Gradually, the colors became more subdued, losing their vibrancy, similar to adjusting the contrast on a color TV image, and eventually it turns into black and white. So I was gradually losing that luminosity, that color, and so forth. Finally, I found myself in a completely undefined white space, where a profound sense of well-being prevailed. It was a pleasant sensation where no discomfort existed, and one could feel completely at ease. I didn't think about anything. I simply allowed myself to be carried away by that state. At a certain moment, I sensed a presence behind me and to my left. In human terms, the distance might have been around 5 to 10 meters. It was a friend of mine, someone very dear to me. A friendship that could be described as reaching the pinnacle of what friendship can truly embody. Two people and I talk about this matter because it holds significant importance. It was Thomas Jose, who was a friend of mine. Unfortunately, he faced a great deal of misfortune. By the age of 18, he had already completed his piano studies and was preparing to pursue advanced courses in Barcelona. Additionally, was also going to start a career in medicine. He was a person who, in principle, had everything in life. He was also exceptionally intelligent. However, he had the unfortunate luck of being diagnosed with a brain tumor. As a result of this tumor, he had to undergo an extremely intense operation, one that left him in a coma for two years. When he began to regain consciousness and his health improved, well, we undertook. We became great friends. Before, we did not know each other. I contacted him every day, visited him, took him out for a walk, and introduced him to my friends. He also had a deep affection for me, and when I saw this person near me, my reaction was one of I was overjoyed to see him, and I had the impulse to approach him, hug him, and say, Thomas Jose, what a pleasure to see you. But curiously, I noticed several things. Firstly, he had undergone a remarkable transformation, appearing to be in the prime of his physical condition. In other words, he looked like his former self, an incredibly attractive person. Well, he was like that as a consequence of blindness because, when I treated him and got to know him, he was a person with unfocused vision. He could see, and he had clear vision. I knew that he could see. Additionally, he didn't have the scar on the left side of his skull that he once had, and he didn't have any imperfections. He was very elegant and impeccably groomed, as if he were attending a formal event. However, curiously, he avoided making direct eye contact with me, almost as if he were silently conveying, don't hug me, don't hug me, continue with the process. At that moment, I didn't fully grasp his intentions, but later on, I came to understand him. I'll explain what I think happened there later on. Back then, I didn't understand what was happening. I was puzzled by Thomas Jose's reaction, which I knew wasn't natural for him. Then I glanced to my right, and there was a being of light. It was quite large and didn't have a human-like shape, but was somewhat humanized. It resembled a stretched figure like, for example, what you might see in a Ladro porcelain figurine. It was a stylized, luminous, humanoid figure, with a unique presence radiating love, acceptance, and compassion. Then, in a way that made me feel good, it smiled. It was incredibly benevolent and empathetic. Next, it invited me to look ahead, and in front of me, I saw what resembled a large tableau, like a panel. A panel with many photos from my life, all appearing simultaneously, all at the same time. There, I actually witnessed my entire life everything I had been from childhood until the moment of the experience. 
It was as if I could see in each scene what had happened. The remarkable thing was that I not only saw what had transpired, as if it were a story completely devoid of emotions, but I felt within myself in a way that is impossible to describe. It was as if I felt the consequences of my actions on other people. In particular, those scenes primarily involved mistakes I had made. If I had committed an act of selfishness or harmed someone, causing their disappointment, I not only saw their disappointment, but felt it deeply within myself. I recall this as an overwhelmingly intense experience. However, the being of light beside me transmitted peace, tranquility, and fidelity. I felt that discomfort deep inside and I thought, what a disaster, how much pain I have caused all of this. I was not initially aware of having caused all of this, but I knew it had to be addressed at some point. There was what we can call a threshold, a threshold that I passed through. It wasn't a door or a frame, but rather a whiteness, like a zone where you could access another place. Then, the being of light invited me to cross, and I felt inside that I couldn't leave things as they were. I wanted to fix this, and I remember feeling that I needed to address my karma. I had to make amends for all that I had done. The being of light was condescending and kind. He reassured me, Calm down. It was your ignorance. Don't worry. If you want to come back, come back. It's okay. It's all good. And I stayed. I said, I have to go back. I have to go back. The next thing I remember is a sensation of rolling backward and returning to the consciousness of my body. But this time, I was in that half-light, wedged, as I mentioned, between a piece of furniture and the closet. My back hurt a lot, and I also felt pain in my forehead. Then, in that discomfort, I managed to sit up as best I could. With difficulty, I made my way to the bed, where I stayed for a while, gradually emerging from my days and trying to regain some sense of order in my thoughts. When I felt able, I got up and went to the living room where my wife was watching television. When he saw me, he commented that I had a bump on my head. He said, Hey, Jose Antonio, you have a bump on your head, and there's a bruise there. I replied, Well, it must have been a minor bump, and you know that I bruise in signs easily due to the anticoagulants. Well, she didn't give it any more importance at the time, so I dealt with the situation and continued with my life. At that moment, I didn't say anything, and during that time, I dedicated myself to integrating the experience. I read, watched videos, and tried to understand what had happened to me. The reason I didn't say anything was that it was difficult for me to broach the subject, and I also feared rejection. I worried that someone might dismiss it as my hallucinations or a dream. I am still a doctor, both then and now, and I am still practicing medicine. It seemed to me that it wasn't the right time to bring up that subject and so on. However, the truth is that it worried me in the weeks and months that followed. What's true is that I am sharing this experience with you now, but, but it's difficult to describe it in words. The mental states you experience like that profound sense of connection Everyone who's experienced it can attest to that feeling. It's not about indifference or apathy. It's about being in that moment, unconcerned about the trivialities of life, and just moving forward. That's what I would say. I wouldn't have minded walking down that path. Reflecting on my experience and reading about other cases, I also came across similar cases where someone, a loved one, avoided physical contact like a hug. It made sense to me, and I believe that if I had hugged Thomas Jose... I might not have returned. In other words, I am convinced that Tama Jose made a great effort not to embrace me, to provide me with the option of returning if I wanted to. It's an intuition, 
which I know is very difficult to explain. All the communications that took place were telepathic and were more emotional than verbal arguments. Gradually, I integrated the experience. As it became more integrated, I began to share it, first among my friends, especially my closest ones. Afterward, I posted my experience on a webpage I have, and I shared it in some Facebook forums dedicated to this subject. Little by little, I became more open about it, until there came a moment when I felt it was fully integrated. Experience. When you integrate it, and in the process, you leave. That is to say, the question you have is, why come back? It's not just about returning to live more, not just because you want to continue living, you have to come back for a reason. When I've seen the testimonies of other people, they sometimes mention that they come back because they have children to care for, or because they have something to do. In my case, if I have to express what I feel, it's that I return to rectify mistakes and to improve things when the opportunity arises. I came to understand that at a certain point, if you return, it's to assist the people who come into your life's journey. In my particular case, initially, I hesitated to share my experience. As I mentioned earlier, I am still working as a family doctor, and I believe that something as common as this, an experience I've had with a tangible connection to the phenomenon, needed to be brought to light. This experience has completely transformed me and opened me up to the idea that consciousness endures, that death is not the end. There is a part of consciousness that continues on a path. I don't know its origin or final destination, only that I touched upon it during my experience. This first-hand experience convinced me that death is not the end. Just as it opened me to this possibility, it also made me realize that sharing this experience, as others have done, can be beneficial for both those who have had similar experiences and those seeking understanding. Many people have lost loved ones and are filled with doubts and fears about what lies beyond. Transmitting the message that the experience itself is a source of joy can offer comfort and solace. I would say that dying does not cause pain. Moreover, the process, the process leading to that desire to die, I am convinced that what I experienced was a cardiac arrest. This cardiac arrest likely did not last long. As a doctor, I'm aware that if it lasts more than one or two minutes, more serious neuronal connections can develop, the longer you go without irrigation. So, this intense experience, so lengthy that it could fill, let's say, hours in psychological time, and I understand, in human time, I don't know the minimum time, but I do know that the maximum time should not have lasted more than two minutes. I would even say that it should not have lasted more than one minute. Well then, as I mentioned, that experience of reaching the portal was, and from there onwards, whatever it is, I don't know, whatever it is. But it is something joyful. It's an encounter with loved ones, and there is no physical suffering. On the contrary, there is a sense of completeness, well-being, and a connection with everything. So the reflections I've made based on my experience, one of them is that in this experience, I had the opportunity to be reunited with a loved one. I have lost loved ones, starting with my parents and other friends and relatives whom I cherished. However, there was Tomas Jose, and only Tomas Jose, but he was in his fullness and continued to love me. I'm convinced that he still loved me. He saw me, and at that moment he wanted to avoid me, but I felt his affection, I felt his love. So I know it was an act of love, a gesture of renunciation on his part, not to embrace me, because it was my choice whether I wanted another chance. However, the reunion with loved ones is the reunion with people, that they are in a state of completeness where they exist. 
Another significant aspect that I find important was the life review during the experience, the feeling, the awareness of the wrongs you commit. I was deeply troubled and ashamed, thinking something like, how could I act with so much ignorance and foolishness? How could I harm all these people and... And I went on and on, just the same. It can't be like this, I thought, while the being transmitted calm to me. The being conveyed that it didn't judge me, but I, myself, was ashamed of my self-centeredness and selfishness. Then, when you come back and can rectify the things you've done wrong, when you have the opportunity to face similar situations again and handle them better, that's when you start feeling as happy as the person who passed in September. It's a feeling that makes you think, I'm coming back for a purpose and I'm fulfilling it. I'm not returning empty-handed. Additionally, another insight I gained is that the near-death experience is incredibly vivid. It's not just real, but, I would say, hyper-real, when compared to the reality we experience here. The dream is this one, not that one. So, of course, when it is suggested that this must be a dream, no, it is not a dream. In my case, the proof that it was not a dream was that I returned with that blow to the head. While it disappeared after a short time, the blow to my back continued to hurt for a long time. So, that was not a dream. It was a lived experience that my body surely suffered when I fell. It was certainly not a hallucination. As a doctor, I have witnessed hallucinations in schizophrenics and individuals in states of intoxication, and it is an unstructured phenomenon. They may see cockroaches, perceive threats, or visualize anything. But here, we're discussing a highly structured content. And this content, when I've had the opportunity to compare it with the stories of many other people, follows a consistent storyline. Despite the limitations of language, especially when I hear many of these testimonies, I feel like I understand what they are talking about. This experience also brings about changes. It brought me a change, I would say, even in my beliefs. Let me explain. I am primarily a Christian, more so in a cultural sense, which could be considered a religious belief. However, the certainty I have today, that consciousness persists after passing on, I didn't have it before, and now I do. It's something that provides me with a great sense of peace and takes away the fear of death. I would also say that it's a singular experience. Of course, I have had dreams and experienced many things, but I've never had the base. The experience, it's a state of connection, of reality, that would belong to a metaphysical dimension. Beyond all the physical sensations I've had in my life, this experience would be a spiritual experience. The profound sense of connection you feel at that moment lingers within you, and you think, if I want to derive something meaningful from this, I have to take positive actions in my life. I need to be more generous, help others more, and improve the way I do things. It's not because you feel judged by someone external, but because, like when reviewing mistakes on an exam, you recognize your own errors and think, of course, how could I have made these mistakes? I don't want to repeat those mistakes again. You aspire to make the most of the remaining years of your life and wonder what to focus on. I've been quite obsessed with this question. What should I do? But in the end, something inside you says, don't worry too much about what you have to do. Focus on being and aligning yourself with the experience you've had. React in a way that's consistent with the transformed self. Whatever you choose to do is fine, but the key is to return with a resolve to rectify the mistakes you've made. Finally, I would say that my intention with sharing this experience is not to convince anyone or make them change their beliefs, whatever they may be. If someone feels comfortable from a purely materialistic perspective, 
that's perfectly valid and acceptable. What I was before my experience has changed me. Well, I mean, nobody has to change because of what I say. But there are people who doubt, who wonder if at some point in the future they will reunite with their loved ones, if they contemplate how that reunion will happen, and if they are terrified of death because they fear it might be something dreadful. Well, I wanted to share my testimony as I mentioned, about reuniting with loved ones in their fullness, as well as experiencing a profound sense of connection and well-being. That's what I wanted to convey to those who are listening to us. Thank you.